And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Be the best and you gotta pay no price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How we doing? Jordan, doing well. Really enjoying your coverage. I woke up this morning, Monday morning, to a wonderful feature on Kyra Bishop, somebody who I didn't know other than a brief video that you had posted a a couple of weeks ago. Everybody's got to go check this out. One of the wonderful stories that can come out of training camp that has nothing to do. Well, that's not true. It has to do with players because it's the Rams and uh, she's there as an equipment intern, 18 year old equipment intern with a fantastic story that Jordan told. Do you want to share that briefly uh, with people and how you track down that story? Great example of how one moment can lead to a great story, right? Yeah, it's and I love that you said that, Rich, because that's what my job is like. And I think we talk, you and I talk about this all the time where sometimes it feels like it's sort of a vanishing space in being able to be somebody who is on the ground and covers all of the moments, not just elbow gate or, or whatever. Oh, we'll get to um, that, but we'll yes. get to that. And that's, and, but that's also a part of the job. But the thing is, is like, it's not just that. And I feel like if I weren't doing both of these types of stories, like the elbow stuff is the stuff that's the, the job, the news part of the job. This part is also so much bigger than, you know, the day-to-day of a pitch count or anything. It's it's about a a team's culture and sort of just the general state of being and what it feels like to be out there on the field and working every single day and, but doing so joyfully. And I think like we always say on this podcast, it's a get-to, not a have-to. You know, I'm very, very proud of being down there on the field every single day because that's where the moments happen. That's where the real moments happen. And, you know, I I saw this, you know, the snark on Twitter and all this stuff about this time of year and and injuries and all of that. And it's like, okay, well, this is the real like this is also the real stuff. All of it, all of it together combined, that's what the job is. And I just hope people know that like getting to see how people tick is really such a um like a soul lighting thing and with kira it was just you know how so many of these stories happen when you are a beat writer and when you are there every single day and you're talking to people and asking questions and watching all of the little moments happen that mean something ultimately to a larger picture and this very much is what it was and and just you know you, you Basically, one day I'm walking around the field and I see this young woman and she's in receiver drills and she's the one who's catching the ball when 
Um, the receiver throws it back. He runs down the field, catches the ball, and then throws it back to an equipment assistant who then tosses it to the quarterback who's throwing the passes. In this case, Luis Perez is doing a lot of that. And she had hands. And I was sitting there and I was like, she's not just like, okay, I'm catching the ball. Like, yay, I caught it. It's There's a difference between having strong, confident hands that you know the technique and you know what you're doing versus like sort of like granny bucket catching, right? And like, she's like, she's got it, right? And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And so then just go about my business. Then I go, then I see her catching punts, right? And then I see Joe D. Camillus talking to her and Brandon Powell talking to her and Riley Dixon. And then one morning, I'm out on the field early every morning. And one morning I see her lining up one-on-ones, egged on by the entire Rams defensive line, who clearly had some stakes in this situation and clearly had like this lore happening about this, about this young woman, Kira. And um they lined her up in red zone like end zone one-on-ones against another equipment intern who had about a foot on her. And there was a play and I described it in the story. There was a play that like you, you almost didn't believe it because she moved so quickly. It was very Cooper cup-esque that, that one route that he ran early in last season, that little variation off of, uh, off of the route, just that little extra spin around. And she ran this route and caught a ball, caught a touchdown pass from Riley Dixon And everyone just exploded. And so from that moment on, it was such a joyful moment. Like training camp is a grind. It's a, it's a wonderful experience, but it is a grind. There's a lot of repetition and a lot of monotony. And you could just feel there's, there was just this joyfulness and this like, okay, yeah, everybody was, everybody was in that moment, the D linemen and the special teams guys, they were all so wholly invested in her being successful in that moment in a very organic way that it it just, it brought a lot of joy to me. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go chase that feeling and see what's there. As it turns out, she's like one of the team, you know, and it all happened in in a natural way. I want to say like this space, and I'm not going to make this podcast or even this in general about any of this or project or anything, but like this space sometimes can be quite unwelcome to women young women especially and it's not the case in, in on that field out there it's it couldn't be further from the case mm-hmm. and in an organic way not in the way that it's the NFL like forcing slogans down our throats or anything like that or doing one thing with their marketing efforts and then their actions saying something completely different. No, this was real. (laughs) This really was what inclusion and support was about. And that is football at its heart is that fearlessness and that joy and that gift of playing the game. That's, that was like that moment and every interaction I've had with her and every interaction she's had with players has all been that, that whole pure, that is what football is. And no marketing, no, like I, I pitched this story because I saw this happening and right. it was because it was real. And that's what I love about training camp is you see the updates and I love doing the updates, probably a, a scary amount um, <laughs> that require that at some point I get a hobby. But like, I love doing that, right? But the real stuff too, that's that's what my job is, is being there for the moment. And so I just think it was really special to get to do that story. And it's also special to get to do the 16th elbow story, right? Because it's, what am I doing for a living? This is a get to, not a have to. 
and right, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna try to do my job the best I can. Oh wow, that's uh, we should honestly, and I'm not I don't say this with any kind of sarcasm or anything. I mean, we we could record that and and play it to a, a journalism class. I mean that that's sometimes people ask you know about about getting into this. Uh, business and things like that. And and that's really what it is. Like it's, it's being curious, it's being interested in the things around you and the people around you. And, and it's not uh, so much of the job looks like it's standing at a press conference and asking questions or standing on the sideline, yeah, watching, that's like watching three, plays. It's like th- the, the press conference stuff. That's 3% of my job. I yeah. just want people to, to understand yeah. <laughs> that. <laughs> and it's not, by the way, it's not to make anybody sound heroic or, oh my goodness, it, 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 Jordan does this, you know, I did it for years and years because it's, it's, we get a rush out of it. We get a, uh, we, it's what gets us up in the morning is, is to have moments like that. So it's not any attempt to pat anybody on the back or say, oh my goodness, you're doing such amazing, like, no, 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 that's the, uh, Jordan would do this, whether or not she got this recognition or not. I, I feel totally confident in, in saying that, but, uh, but that's what it is. And, and the, those are the rewarding ones where you look at where I open my app in the morning and I go, oh, my goodness, look at this. I had no idea. I had a very vague sense of who this uh, person was just based on Jordan's Twitter. But uh, but I had no idea what the story was. And here I was treated to to a fantastic story um, at a training camp. So great job, first of all. And uh, what a way to wind down camp, Jordan. I mean, we're, we're almost at the end now. I, I saw that they uh, they shut down or they they uh, they closed Wednesday's practice to the public. So you've got two more days. If anybody's looking to go down to Irvine uh, to watch, they can go down today, Monday or tomorrow, Tuesday, and then uh, it'll be back to uh, to Thousand Oaks and getting ready for Saturday's preseason game against the uh, the dreaded, hated Los Angeles Chargers. And Jordan, here we go. Get ready. That, I guess <laughs> like that's, it came up so fast. I was talking to uh, Stu Jackson, who does great work for the Rams.com. Yes. And we were talking about scheduling stuff and he was like, oh, yeah. And don't forget, you know, the first preseason game is is this is this upcoming Saturday. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> uh, I knew it, but it blew my mind that it was it's, it's already here. Yeah. And, and also, Amazing. by the way, like this is going to be regularly scheduled Sean McVay preseason programming starters and key role players will not play. It'll be interesting to see which receivers get time, um, which corners get time. I think you could make a pretty fair assumption just about everywhere else, maybe outside linebackers. It'll be a pretty fair assumption. I think because this roster is structured the way that it is, I don't know that there will be a lot of surprises in terms of who does get on the field and get some minutes, but this is going to be pretty much on track for a, a regular Sean McVay off se- or preseason. Yeah, we've, we've become uh, accustomed to that. Um, and one person we know we won't be seeing in the first preseason game. Good segue. Nice segue, yes, Rich. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I made, I, made a, I made a turn there, almost like an elbow would turn if, oh my you, God. if, you, if you lifted your arm, is Matthew Stafford. And look, we're not going to make this the Matthew Stafford podcast, in part because Jordan's reporting on a day-to-day basis really tells you everything that you need to know. But uh, I also know that we have some loyal listeners here who uh, maybe don't get to follow the day-to-day coverage. Maybe they haven't even signed up to The Athletic yet. And we'll get to that at the end of the episode, by the way. <laughs> uh, we, boy, do we have something for you. But so let's just go through it, Jordan. And and as always, please stop me and correct me uh, if I say anything uh, stupid or, or incorrect. 
but let's just run through what we know because we know quite a bit. We going back to your coverage and the news that you broke months ago, which was before OTAs, which was that Matthew Stafford was having an issue with his elbow. He was going to have non-surgical treatment. He was going to have some type of injection to help him along with that. He wasn't going to be doing much at all during those uh, OTA periods. And now it has extended into training camp to where, again, you reported before any of this started that there was going to be a plan to manage Matthew Stafford throughout this training camp with the goal of having him ready to go as normal as possible, as normal as any of us are for week one against the Buffalo Bills. As far as we know, that's still on track. Uh, Nothing has changed. Now, of course, there's been a lot of questions in the interim. There's been a lot of quotes that get twisted or blown up or people get uh, scared or anxious or whatever it might be. But am I basically right there, Jordan? I mean, there hasn't been, other than the, the normal bumps in the road or the quotes that make people nervous, there hasn't been anything to deviate from, from what you believed or what you've been reporting throughout. Would that be an accurate statement? Yeah, if you're looking, it's very nice job, by the way, Rich. Um, you. If you're looking at this along some sort of actual Path. timeline, right? If you're like visualizing a straight line, Right. From right after they, you know, like stumble off the parade buses and take their vacations and start, you know, kind of deloading from an insane season last year. If you're going to draw a straight line from that to September 8th, as of now, there are no spikes in it. We're not looking at like a Richter situation here. You're looking at a line. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, specifically um, the idea of a setback. That's not something that I have heard at all. In fact, I asked Sean McVay directly about this. What Did he have any sort of setback? This was when Sean kind of came out and said, hey, we lessened Matthew's workload and it's on track. And then there was sort of like these headlines that made it sound like, oh, no, something went awry with the plan. Like he's been on this plan. This was an inherited plan. This plan started, again, started back like – Probably they started figuring out what they might have to do once they realized they were going to the playoffs, frankly, because this was something he did deal with last year. And kind of interestingly, he sort of indicated that it was like an inherited issue as well um, from years past. So I I found that uh, illuminating in various ways. But this was something that they knew they were always going to have to factor in. My thought, now this particular part of it, there are many parts of this, this conversation that are sourced. Um, as I like to say, quote unquote, educated, yes, educated hypotheses. But this particular, this is my opinion that I'm about to say, is my opinion is if they determine at some point that there is a permanent fix for something like this, this was not the off season that they would be able to do something like that because right. it was so short and because they are in this sort of maximum window of opportunity, right? Where they've extended these guys, they've got a bunch of guys in their prime, They've aligned contracts. So if there is such a thing, which we don't know if there's going to at any point be a true permanent fix for what, you know, some describe to me as ongoing tendonitis, what others have declined to put a name to, 
right. what Sean McVay called abnormal for a quarterback. And by the way, the context of that, too, because that's kind of when stuff started spiraling as well. The context of that was he wasn't saying that Matthew was in an abnormal amount of pain. He was saying that the context of the injury was abnormal to his own experience. And I honestly, I thought the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you know, Sean hasn't really had quarterbacks who have dealt with chronic or ongoing injuries. Like he's right. had pretty healthy guys in right. in, in the room. For, right. And so I was like, okay, well, that's not really. But anyway, so my opinion is that something like this, if if we do learn at some point that there is some sort of permanent or semi-permanent fix, this was not the off season to do it anyway, because of how long they played into the postseason, because of the amount of volume that Matthew Stafford took on during that time. And because their season starts relatively earlier than many other teams, because they've got that September 8th, Thursday night football against Buffalo. And it starts with a bang with that team as well. So they have been aware of this. They came up with a plan. They don't, the context of it is it is a concern because it's the quarterback's arm. I mean, for God's sake, you're not, not concerned about the quarterback dealing with an ongoing arm issue, but it's not a surprise to them. This is not something that they haven't been preparing for. And it's not something that they are going into this entire plan thinking, okay, ice and pray. Like this, this is not that, right? Like this right. is uh, it involved, like you see him on the field with Zach Witherspoon, who otherwise known as the McVeigh doppelganger, who is now their lead sports scientist. You see him in communication with Reggie Scott, who is, um, should be the president of earth. And like you see him they're They're very clearly, tr- everything is intentional. They're tracking data points on this, like everything, because again, this is an unprecedented situation as it pertains specifically to the quarterback that they have on this roster. And they're figuring out what the best plan will be. And it does so far look dramatically different than his last off season, but it doesn't mean that he's in more pain it doesn't mean that he's in more having more of an issue right now than he was through at any point of of last year. And that said, there is some unknown with this. Like um, Matthew Stafford came right out and said, "It's not like the more I throw, the worse it gets." Um, to me, that sort of speaks to it's a bit maybe unpredictable. Right. And so there, to me, this entire thing speaks to me of a team that is trying to control as many variables in a controlled environment of training camp for as long as they can until they no longer can control the environment. Ooh, there's, there's a lot there, but, but when you put it all together, um, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I guess the only other thing I would add to this is that I'm assuming, and I'm not speaking for anybody, least of all you, but I, I'm assuming that Matthew Stafford being a hyper-competitive human being and a person who got himself to the NFL as a quarterback bucking against the, the reins here, right? Like probably isn't super thrilled to, to be on some type of a program. Um, maybe understands it, certainly is, you know, willing to go along with it, but probably isn't thrilled, right? Is that, is, can we, can we fairly assume that? Well, in one breath, I can say like, please, and I appreciate the many, many, many of you guys that, that already do this. And I'm just sort of screaming into the void when I say this, but like, please get, your analysis of what he looks like from people who watch every single snap every single day. Um, Because otherwise things, that's when things sort of start to spiral a bit. And it's, you know, everyone who's listening to this, I'm sure already does that, but he has looked great when he's thrown objectively speaking, 
he's looked fantastic when he's thrown. And he's got a he's got an edge to him, which I found that to be a a really intriguing dynamic to his personality um, last year when it seemed like when people maybe ruled him out or when he had some sort of adverse situation or he was backed up against the wall somehow, that's when he really you could really see him click into that higher gear. And it's training camp, but he's aware that this conversation has has spiraled a bit. And I also yeah. think that I feel he is more irritated by the fact that he's not throwing than the fact that he's feeling any pain. So I think the level of mental frustration and but also acceptance because he is on board with this plan, like you can you're allowed to you're allowed to feel a type of way about something. You can still agree to it because you understand it's best for everybody. Um it, right. like like we say, both things can be true at the same time. Yes. I get it tattooed on my forehead by now. Um, <laughs> but it's it's like, that's fair. He's a competitive guy. He wants to be out there throwing the ball around. He's on a pitch count. So right. that being said, that that demonstrates clear concern about the long term of the season from the team. That's fair. I also believe Matthew when he says he's not worried about it. I mean, I can I can hold those two things in my head at the same time. <laughs> So not to brag or anything, but, no. <laughs> but I think, but, but that's, that's where it is. Like, I do believe, I believe Sean, when Sean indicates worry or concern and talks about a pitch count. And I believe Matthew, when he says he's personally not worried about it, I think all of it's fair, but it doesn't change the fact that he's going to be on a plan. Right. Right. So yeah, here's where I want to wrap up with it. And, and I, I think in the end of this, I'm, I'm going to be giving the Rams some, some praise here, but what people should understand is that you're not going to get full transparency, especially when it comes to injuries, it's just not going to happen. And that's across the NFL. That has nothing to do with the Rams. That has nothing to do with a specific player. It's just not going to happen. Uh, it happens in other sports sometimes. The the Dodgers, for instance, give pretty regular updates about how Clayton Kershaw is doing. They tell you about what had his, what his MRI was like, and that he got an epidural injection and everything else. Um, so they 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 really go into some detail about about how he's doing. Uh, that just doesn't happen in the NFL. But here's where I would give the Rams praise: is that I think you're seeing a, a clear contrast in this and the way that they handled the Todd Gurley situation a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's not a straight line comparison. Todd Gurley is not Matthew Stafford. Todd Gurley's knee issue is not Matthew Stafford's elbow issue. Those are not the, the parallels that I'm trying to draw here at all. So please don't make those connections. But but I think there is some comparison in terms of how those issues are handled in terms of three years ago uh, or even back into the end of the 2018 season, it was largely what knee issue? What are you talking about? Look, look, here's Todd Gurley. He's walking around. He's running. He's totally fine. And and anybody who understood the situation knew that was not the case, um, understood why the Rams felt like they needed to maybe not have that messaging out there. But it was also clear that something was going on and uh, the Rams just chose not to really address it. And now what they are doing is being more proactive about this. They're not giving the full information. They probably don't have the full information if we're being honest. Uh, this is still very much a, a work in progress, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out how to best manage it. Um, all of these things are going on at the same time, but, but they are putting out there uh, some information. And, and I think that is beneficial. I think that that's to be applauded 
in a way. They don't they, they could completely shut this down. They could completely say not talking about Matthew's elbow. You know, that's it. He's fine. He's going to you know, he's going to be ready for week one, not answer any question. I mean, Sean is addressing these things. Matthew is addressing these things. And when people talk, it leads to more questions. It leads to, you know, everybody parsing out every individual quote. And what does that mean? And what does this mean? So I, I understand how it leads to some of that. But uh, but in the end, I, I think it's being handled better than the situation was a couple of years ago. And I think more information is better than the no information. Maybe that's just the journalist in me, Jordan speaking. But uh, but I think fans appreciate that, too, to at least have this information rather than having it shut yeah. down. Am I, am I right? Well, there? I hope so. I'm. Inter- it's interesting to me. I, so I, I wasn't here when the girly stuff happened, but I I find I meet this intersection of Ram's Twitter, where there's a cross section of those who are very skeptical of anything the team says about injuries, which I think is based off of past precedents. And then there is a cross section of people who who don't feel that way, who who are sort of just absorbing the information as it as it comes. And frankly, it's not you know, I think both both perspectives are are valuable for me because I'm I wasn't here for the last time around. So I think it's it's interesting because um, I think part of some of the grayness of this and and hence the reason for, you know, the questions and the nature of some of the the press conferences when when it is Matthew, which, by the way, are pre-planned and pre-scheduled about a week in advance. And so everybody's all prepared on every side of how this thing will shake out and understands everything about what's coming. And I think. um that is part of the context of this team moving into maybe it's new it's new phase but i think the grain some of the grayness of it is like the issue is kind of gray like they could have maybe a right. specific name for it but if it's reactive in ways that are unpredictable then i think that co- there's some grayness to it right so when there is grayness i think it's like part of it's due to the nature of of what it is itself. And it's, you know, it's, it's not a secret that he could play through pretty at this point, pretty much anything. Um, and we've seen history of that. It doesn't mean that he should have to. And I think that's second part is where the team is operating at right now. Like, yeah, dude, like we've seen it. You played with your shoulder dislocated. Like we've seen it, man, but it doesn't mean that you should have to do that. (laughs) If we can protect you somehow. And then also Matthew, like, I think, it's so different than some of the treatment plans he's been on probably in the past that it's like, I can understand being like, well, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I feel fine. And, and, and frustrated to not be out there with his, his teammates. But I think he should be applauded as well for, because this is something he didn't necessarily have to do or buy into. And, and he is. And at the same time, I just think they're exploring this new territory together. Cause again, they, they didn't run, they didn't have this plan last year. Right. Yeah. And it's it's still very much a, a thing in progress. And we also can't predict. I mean, nobody can predict what what will happen here. So that's I mean, and that's also I know a cause of angst amongst some people is you, you can do everything you can. I mean, the, the goal is to, to get into week one and to get him you know, as healthy as possible. We have no idea. We have no idea what's going to happen uh, through, through the season, which is part of what makes this fun and interesting. Um, but uh, there's also no guarantees about about anything. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. Jordan's done a fantastic job covering this, of asking all the right questions and reporting all the pertinent uh, details that, that are necessary. So I know that that will 
um, continue and do not expect to see. Well, I'm sure we'll get some great shots of Matthew Stafford on the sideline. He'll probably be twirling a football and, and people will be at the, the, the uh, commentators will be talking about him ad nauseum. Uh, so look forward to that, everybody, on uh, on Saturday. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But, um, you know, Jordan, one thing I'm, I'm curious about, and I think I kind of hinted about this uh, uh, last week because it's something that we haven't talked a ton about is just the offensive line and, and maybe some of the uh, rotations that are going on there, how some of the things are looking. Um, I know you mentioned, uh, as we as we mentioned every year, that you don't expect to see starters uh, in the uh, in the preseason games. But how do you think the uh, the offensive line uh, might look there and and who kind of has um, I don't want to say it sounds dramatic to say who has a lot at stake, but I mean, who, who, who have you been looking at and, and who do you think can still has something on the line here as these training camp practices wind down and, and as these preseason games start, where are they with all that stuff? It's interesting. The line to me is pretty much set, but the question is that right guard spot where I don't, you know, they have been very public since they drafted Logan Bruss about the fact that they would like him to be a starter very early in his career. And Sean McVay kind of came out and said he expected Logan to compete immediately. And you are seeing that he is competing immediately. Um, Coleman Shelton being the other guy who's been most of all rotating with Logan in that spot. And that was expected. When it gets to the preseason, I don't know how you manage that. I don't know if you get Logan snaps. They've made a a sort of a big declaration of how pro ready he is. So 
I don't know if you get him snaps in that type of a situation, maybe two series and then pull him. Um, again, being Sean being Sean and the way that he's sort of run this stuff in the past, like if there's even a chance that this guy's starting, he's not going to play. And then I kind of think, well, what do you do with Coleman Shelton? Because Coleman Shelton is kind of quietly like one of their most valuable players on the offense in terms of he's their interior lineman swing, like their swing interior lineman, but who also can play center. So he could play left guard, right guard and center. Brian Allen will not play in the preseason. Um, so do you play Coleman Shelton is my question, because I don't think you should. He's again, he's like he's got plenty of experience from last year at this point. You honestly would just be playing him for the sake of some getting Bryce Perkins some cons- consistent snaps, because at times I've seen like Jeremiah Cologne in there at center and like that some of the snaps have not been good. And so it's you just think like, well, what are you going to do? You know, you want to make sure that the quarterback's getting a good a good chance to really put something together. So that's where I'm, I'm actually just as curious because to me, it looks like to me, a, a true sort of 46 man uh, offensive line number. So a game day active would probably look like to me, um, Joe Noteboom and David Edwards and Brian Allen and Logan Bruss and Rob Havenstein and Coleman Shelton and probably Alaric Jackson um, because he can play on the left or the right side, preferably the left. Um, so you have swing tackle depth and you have swing guard center depth. So that's kind of what that looks like to me. So it'll be interesting. I, I think I'll learn a lot from from who they roll out, not just in the first series or two, but um, through the rest of it. And I think that like even if Logan does end up playing on that right side, I don't think that decreases the value of Coleman Shelton to this team. Yeah, great point. I mean, he's a guy who's... Uh, can play a lot of different roles. So you, you've seen over past seasons how valuable those guys can be because there's always going to be something. I mean, there's always going to be an injury or, or somebody's going to need to step in at some point. The other interesting thing to me is just, uh, you know, kind of the, I don't know you say the rise or the the increase in, in number and importance of these joint practices also that are going to be uh, coming up because um, I think you've seen um, I don't want to speak for any any coaches necessarily, but but there's certainly a little bit more of a controlled environment where where you get a lot of that competitiveness, you get that battle that you want uh, against another team, so you get that competitive aspect of it, physical aspect of it. Uh, but it's also a little bit more controlled environment than, than just out there in a, in a preseason game. So uh, I don't know where Sean McVay has landed on that, but I, but I do know that that he does value and all the coaches value those that. Time to uh, mix it up with with another team. So I, I think that's probably an area where you could see maybe a little bit more of that competition without uh, maybe a little bit less of the risk, right? I guess it'd probably be a good yeah, way to the, put it. Um, the um, you, people who are listening to this, you can't see our screens. Rich and I are speaking to each other over Zoom, and I just waved my arms around wildly when he said joint practices because he made an elbow pun and he didn't even realize. Oh, I did not even realize. <laughs> yes, joint practices. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, this is going to be the elbow pun uh, podcast. Um, 
so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, the other, uh, area that I wanted to touch on Jordan before we, we take off is the, the wide receivers for, for a couple reasons, because my goodness, I mean, what an off season it has been, uh, for, for that receivers room. Uh, you, you talk about an area of, of stability for the Rams. Obviously we know during the off season that Robert Woods went out, uh, and, and, uh, Alan Robinson came in Van Jefferson hurt. And then Jordan, since our last podcast, you, uh, have been able to report an update on that. I'm going to let you put it in your own words because I'm afraid that I'm going to misspeak and and say something that you didn't uh, that you didn't say. So, uh, but some encouraging news, I think, it's fair to say on on Van Jefferson and also some stuff about Choo Choo Atwell seems to be the guy who you know after the 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 narrative around uh, Choo Choo last year certainly was not a good one. I think that's I think that's fair to say. I don't think that's being unfair to Choo Choo. It, it wasn't a good narrative, and and that seems to be changing a little bit uh, uh, this. Uh, training camp so and then of course Cooper Cup uh, that guy that guy is still there I guess, I guess he you know he's still okay he'll probably be a little bit productive uh, this coming season so uh, Jordan so it's just so that I don't say anything inaccurate where are things with with Van Jefferson from from what you reported in the last uh, couple days and and how is that kind of rotation shaping up with with Tutu seemingly uh, putting himself in that conversation yeah so first of all you've done great so far Rich so don't don't knock, don't okay. knock yourself on that one. You've, you've relayed information superbly so far. So, I didn't want to aggregate you incorrectly. <laughs> Did you say aggregate or aggravate? <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> they go hand in hand. Um, so I think based on what I've heard, so I had heard that his surgery went really well. Um, Sean McVay later came out publicly and said, hey, we're encouraged by the way that this surgery went. Didn't want to put a timeline on Van Jefferson's return. My understanding, though, of the situation is like super encouraging to believe and have some optimism that he could be back by the opener. I also, at the same time, don't think the team is going to pressure him to be back by the opener. So if they feel like it's, you know, safer, if they feel confident enough in their sort of receiver by committee at that three spot and they feel confident in that regard and they can feel like, okay, well, Van, you know, maybe come back the next week, then that's probably something that they will have a conversation about. But everything I've heard so far has been really optimistic and and positive about Van and his return in a timely manner. That being said, this time of camp right now, as we mentioned in the last podcast, is super important for the Rams to rep through guys who it will be a committee in terms of replacing the things that, that Van Jefferson can do. This is kind of where I repeat from earlier, like this time of year, it is there. There's just, there are, is a lot of stuff floating around. And I would encourage just people who watch every single rep every single day. That's probably where you're going to get the clearest set of, of information for better and for worse at times as well. Um, now I will say in terms of Ben Skronik and Tutu Atwell, who I've seen mostly sharing those wide receiver three reps, that I think both you could feel probably pretty positive about what both players have put together over the last week when the coaches made it very clear they needed to see some, something from these guys stepping up with that higher volume of, of reps. I mentioned in a column last week and also on this podcast, when you have a committee, that's problematic schematically because when you want to go tempo, which this team does want to go, you, you don't want to sub constantly. 
And so you need to make sure that whoever is in that three spot can be on the field for more snaps than they are not. The Rams would like to be in tempo more snaps than they are not. They'd like to use it as a weapon and they a very, very good one that they had at their disposal last year. So you want to make sure that whoever is taking the bulk of those snaps is capable of not just being productive while on the field and the target of said pass, but also can be productive in all of the various ways that this offense requires its receivers to be productive, which is doing some some body moving by the stack, um, you know, helping in the run, making sure that um, they're selling the like low concepts or the high concepts in certain phases to spring other guys loose. And a lot of that does require a certain amount of physicality. Ben Skoranek, who seems to like basically be fine with selling out his entire physical well-being on every single play, that's something the coaching staff knows they have from him. However, what I think is still unproven, and we talked about this last time, is the, the ability to stretch the field and something that I think you could see them start sort of experiment with a little bit to see if that's a quality that he's capable of. But you also have Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. So it kind of depends on what your priorities are, especially in early in the season when teams are still trying to figure out how to defend both of those guys on the field at one time, which good luck. So I think you kind of can reprioritize in that way. But then also, Tutu, I, I don't want to discount what he's been able to do in terms of his hands. He's caught a lot of passes. His volume of snaps has clearly increased and there wasn't much of a baseline because he did miss so much of camp last year, but he looks to me. And from when I saw what little I saw of him last year, he does look like he's got a more confident feel for kind of what's going on around him. And he looks fast where I worry is again, kind of what I said is you can't have him in there for some of the gnarlier plays is kind of how I (laughs) describe them in terms of, of doing that, that extra work. And so then you lose something in exchange at times, but then also you don't want to give away why a receiver is on the field. Um, You don't want to have a receiver on the field who teams know he's either going to try to stretch you out or, you know, he'll run on the the sweeps or it'll be a play action because they need to get him going into that second and third gear. And you can't always do that out of empty if you're trying to navigate that traffic physically right off the line of scrimmage, like you have to wind it up a little bit to get into that second or third gear. So, okay, maybe that tells it's going to be a play action pass when he's on the field. This is what they're navigating right now in terms of the design. And again, it's, I'm not trying to be like Debbie Downer or anything like that. Womp womp. But I think like, (laughs) this is why they're in camp right now is they're figuring this type of stuff out. So I do think that while I've seen positive things out of both players, what is, Mainly the balance they're trying to find right now is what a rep share looks like by committee and how they can avoid showing their hand for for uh, really for either player um, when he is on the field and kind of that pursuit of those skill sets. And I'm curious to see how Tutu does when shit gets real, essentially. Like Darion Kendrick, I think, has given him and Robert Rochelle have both given him like they have not been shy about okay, we're going to be physical. And I will say like Darion Kendrick has, has made some plays um, in, in this regard. And and Robert Rochelle has made some plays in this regard. And so, and Tutu has made some plays. So I think I'd like to see when contact is actually allowed and kind of how all of that shakes out, because 
there is that sense of care as there should be this time of year. There is that sense of care. And, you know, you do want to see whether he does have that, that little extra sort of layer of, um, of physicality, like all the way through the catch point, even if he's someone step for step with him as Robert and Darion have been able to do at times. Yeah. And it kind of speaks to, you know, how these guys fit together. And we've, we've talked about that so much. I mean, it's not, you can look at an individual in this case, we're talking about receivers. Um, you can look at an individual receiver skill set and say, Oh, they do this and they do that. And this is a strength and this is a weakness. And you can learn a lot from that, but you can, you learn a lot more when you put them out there on a, in, in a, on the field, in a pattern, um, next to another receiver, having to do the right thing. Um, well, and, that's, and against a DB who doesn't care about your physical well-being. Right. And doesn't have to care about your physical well-being. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the, the game changes a little bit when you get into, um, again, some of these joint practices or some of these uh, joint practices haha, or uh, the, <laughs> I know, the preseason I'm laughing game. every time. I can't it's, such a good, it's such a good, just subtle, sneaky pun. Yes. Well done, yes. Rich. Well done. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know what I was doing. That's how good it was. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, look, there's a lot here for, for Tutu. I mean, in terms and I mean that both ways, there's there's a big opportunity for him. And then there's a lot at stake because, uh, you know, it depending on how this goes. Uh, look, last year didn't go well and there, there were extenuating circumstances there. Um, so if he can grab a hold of something here. Uh, find himself a role, then great. If if he can't, then then some serious questions start to to get asked, especially with the the level of competition uh, that, that exists there and the importance of of some of those positions, like you said. So, definitely, definitely a, a player to watch. Uh, you, you're hearing a lot of things, and that's understandable. Uh, Jordan's giving you some great context, um, as as she always does. So, uh, Jordan, the the last position that I that I wanted to touch on, or the last area before we wrap up, is just kind of the edge rusher. Um, position and kind of uh, I've seen some names floating around that that you've written about or that you've tweeted about and I know there's there's been a couple who have popped but um, how how are those uh, obviously we know Leonard is there and and uh, you know there's there's a lot of stuff moving parts what do we know about that position what, what are you expecting in some of these uh, preseason games or these practices yeah so I am not expecting Justin Hollins Leonard Floyd Chris Garrett or Terrell Lewis to play in the preseason. Again, um, could always be wrong about one or two of those names, but I very much doubt that you'll see them in the preseason. And that indicates sort of where they're at in their rotation right now as well. I am curious once they get into these joint practices, haha, joint practices with Cincinnati, what that'll, you'll be able to really tell a little bit more of what these guys have and how they put it together. Cause again, it's, even in padded practices, it's not like to the ground contact and guys are making sure they're standing each other up. So um, it's a, it's a very safety first as it should be this time of year. So won't know a whole lot more until some of the real stuff starts going. But I think you're going to see a lot of Benton Whitley and Daniel Hardy in the preseason. Mm. And that's kind of exciting to me. There was a time I tweeted about this last week. There was at one point they were running – Daniel and Benton on either on opposite sides and Bryce Perkins was the quarterback and they were trying to go tempo. And it was very clear to me that when you have that speed package on the outside in both of those rushers, Daniel being a draft pick this last year and Benton being an undrafted free agent, both of those guys look very promising. 
and and they didn't fatigue either against the tempo. It's clear to me that that can be a very effective and dangerous weapon if teams try to go tempo against you is pass rushers who are very, very fast and also don't fatigue, don't seem to fatigue easily. Um, and so that was really interesting to me, sort of that speed versus tempo kind of, it was very exciting. And so I think you'll see those guys, you'll, you'll definitely see them on some special teams work. Um, and that's really, I think you got your, your top four at the moment though. And Chris Garrett, you know, looks the part, Charles Lewis certainly looks the part. He did say that his, his knee is hundred percent totally fine. However, he, he didn't practice fully the, on, on one day last week and Sean McVay said the team is still trying to be sort of careful with him and manage some of his reps. So definitely still a situation probably to watch, but I'm happy for him that he's feeling good. And um, like I said, he was a healthy scratch for half of the season last season. So for him to come out and, and, you know, basically admit he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder for that and um, be ready to go. And Leonard Floyd just beaming, talking about him and how much more confident he can see he is in his knee. I think that all of that is is promising. All of that is positive. Once again, I say this many, many, many weeks in a row at this point, this post-trade deadline slate of quarterbacks is quite gnarly. And I think that specifically that timestamp of the trade deadline and then what's facing them on the other side, this will be probably the decision of the year for the Rams is whether or not they will make a move at the trade deadline. They will luckily for them have a pretty substantial body of work to know whether or not they think this pass rush group has it or whether they think they need to explore a trade or or make a move in some regard. But I do think that this is, that's kind of that big date that's looming is, you know, that they're always going to want to be agile. And you also saw firsthand what a, not just a great pass rusher, and I feel like Justin Hollins can be a great pass rusher, um, but in a a sort of special category elite pass rusher could do when they did face a bit of a gauntlet um, of quarterbacks down the stretch and up into the Super Bowl. So that's going to be the big decision that they make. And um, one thing I know about this group is they will be aggressive in whatever they do decide to do. Um they will be aggressive in doing it. <laughs> There's no question about that. And some track record there in terms of that position. I mean, obviously Vaughn coming in uh, last year and, and Dante Fowler a couple of years before that. So certainly not uncommon for the Rams to take stock of that position and uh, see if it's it's an area that they need to uh, kind of improve or, or add to at least uh, during the season. So uh, that's a position for me. I'm, I'm always very interested in how that uh, edge rusher position is going to shape up and certainly hope for the best for uh, Terrell Lewis. We want to be able to see what he can bring uh, for a full season. I've been intrigued by him ever since I saw his tape when, when he got drafted and I thought, Oh my goodness, this guy's going to be a monster. And um, so I, I want for, for Terrell and for everybody, I want to be able to see that for, for a full season. So hopefully that's uh, what takes place, but these questions are going to start to get answered. That's the exciting uh, time. There's been a lot of data taken in during training camp. Um, and now Jordan, we can, we can get to answering some of these questions maybe. Yeah. And already, already on the case for one of, I think the biggest questions of the Rams last five years, um, yes. is Tony Pastor's inhabited by one small robot standing on the shoulders of another small robot. 
Um, I ran into Tony. Uh, yeah. Out on the field um, the other day, and you know, I thought I would be able to have a more definitive answer about this. Uh-huh. I yeah. would love to tell you that I'm certain that that is not the case. That he's not mm. two small robots standing on each other's shoulders within a meat suit. I think that. <laughs> It was frankly hard to actually confirm that. It, I can't mm. say either way. Uh, okay. And and part of it was that he had the reflective Terminator sunglasses on. Wow. And yeah. um, you know there was a little bit of an ominous vibe. He had uh, he had heard that my suspicions had been had been stoked here. So uh-huh. um, you know I probably got to watch my back a little bit, frankly. Yeah. Be, be careful. They're they're on to you now. And, uh, you know, there's there's never just one either. So there's there's probably another one lurking uh, who's who's going to be after you. <laughs> I'm, uh, sometimes uh, I know I know you you've already felt this, but sometimes I need to remind myself that people actually listen to this, that it's not just the two of us uh, talking <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but all, all in good fun uh, always. And uh, yeah, stay on that case, Jordan, because that's a uh, we, we, we need to get to the bottom of that uh, for for sure. So. I'll see, I'll see what I can. I'll see what I can do. Uh, okay. This will be a a risk, you know. I I admit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. always when we explore things that we're not meant to see. You know, we always got to worry. You know, I've got a I've got a contingency plan. Um, okay. Tucker okay. is provided for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So if you're not on the podcast next week, then we know uh, something something is a is a foot, as they say. Uh, or or an elbow maybe maybe not a foot an elbow on that note jordan it's been a pleasure congratulations on almost making it through the entirety of of training camp by the time we talk uh next week we will uh be back uh having a preseason game to digest i'm sure there will be some interesting things that happen rams versus chargers on saturday evening at sofi stadium i know everybody will be excited for that um Jordan, fantastic work throughout. We mentioned the Kira Bishop uh, feature that everybody should go uh, check out, but you can't beat the day-to-day coverage. Uh, you can get the the little tidbits on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez. But if you want to get the real stuff, if you want to get the story behind the story, if you want to get what's really happening, if you want to get the context that we always talk about that's so important, what you really need to do subscribe to The Athletic. We thank all of our subscribers. We appreciate you very much. If you're not already on board, now is the perfect time. Now is the perfect time. Preseason game starting, season right around the corner. It's so simple. All you have to do, Jordan, is go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. You can go right now and you can sign up, get all of Jordan's amazing coverage, all of our coverage throughout the continent, throughout the world, and you can get it right now and you can get jordan's favorite thing in the entire world which is what a great discount you guys every time you sign up through to the athletic through the 11 personnel podcast you get my favorite thing in the world of all time which is a great discount um guys it is hot out there i hope you're staying hydrated i hope you are practicing good sun protection i hope you're enjoying yourself hope you're enjoying this time of year where everything feels so exciting and everything is already possible and uh you know right before the leap off the cliff that is the 2022 season um i know i'm excited about it excited to bring you guys coverage each and every week 
and we've got some fun episodes planned in the, in the coming weeks for you guys. Um, and, and we're, as always, really thrilled to be here with you every step of the way. We appreciate you guys. Um, we appreciate the fans. We appreciate the subscribers. We love when you guys tweet our inside jokes and our dumb puns at us. We think that that, like, seriously, I know we sound like we need to just get a life, but man, we enjoy that. Um, so we will talk to you guys next time. And as always, take care of yourselves and please take care of each other. Bye.